how come I can't see Chris? Chris, where's your video? Chris is not doing video today. Chris, okay. Chris, uh, Chris's face is a little beat up today. I had a skin treatment so that oh. I would look young enough to one day be hit on by Matt Gates. So that's oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> joining us for the very first time this is icon or ycon the show where we digest your favorite film universes one flick at a time this is a very important moment for us we have not one not two not no it's just two we actually have two guests just two just two we have two (laughs) guest hosts with us today and uh they've been here before and I'm very excited to have them back. And I'm here, as always, with my dear friend, with the wish to my stone, Mr. CJ LaRoche. CJ, how you feeling? I am feeling ready to dissect, digest, regurge, and discuss <laughs> something this evening. I really oh, am gosh. glad that I was just the wish. I know, right? I'm really glad I'm just the wish to your stone because the shape of that thing, I was really concerned about what was going to come out of your mouth tonight. Yeah, you know, I, I could have gotten a million ways that ended in base of the NP, but I didn't. Uh, I saved right. it. Right. I saved it. Yeah. Uh, do you, you want to tell us what movie we're doing today, sir? Tonight, with special guests Christopher Henry and Emma Canalise, we are discussing... Selena Kyle, meaner, darker, and uncut. <laughs> CJ, that's not CJ. That's not the movie. That's the movie I saw. <laughs> it's pretty, that's the one I that's, watched. That's pretty. That's that's pretty accurate. But the actual oh, title of the movie is ah. is what is WW84. It's Wonder Woman 1984, abbreviated. Okay, again, the title card said <laughs> WW84. I'm so fucking confused about what I'm watching. <laughs> there's there's, there's a quite a bit of confusion to be had, honestly. Quite a bit of confusion Agreed. to be had uh, on an Agreed. otherwise enjoyable movie. Uh, Emma and Chris, how are you guys doing tonight? I'm well. How are you doing? Listen, I'm living my life. I had some hazelnut cake. I had some white wine. I'm great. Christopher? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, It is so great to be here with you guys discussing Wonder Woman, The Last Jedi. Um, (laughs) (laughs) How I view this movie through the prism of CJ LaRoche. Um, No, it's so great to be back. I'm so glad to be here with you guys, and I do not renounce my wish to be here. Fantastic. Well, here's the thing. Tonight is unique, because tonight, what I want to do is I just want to have a completely unfiltered, unedited conversation. That is right, all 16 of you listeners. Lena will get you back someday. Uh, (laughs) We're going to just roll tape and talk about this movie like four friends, and whatever happens happens like season four of lost how is that for a reference cj right no that's great i feel like i'm back in catholic school <laughs> oh my god you couldn't make the nun joke oh my god <laughs> i'm excited though i'm excited we're gonna yes it's it's bigger it's, this is the spider cut of icon of icon <laughs> it's on. It's uncut. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. No, Andrew. Let's do it. And you know what, bro? Like, stop wasting time. Like, let's just go. Right. We should what just jump got? in. All right. Let's just jump what in. All right. So here's the thing. This movie just starts out with this Themyscira Games opening sequence, where we learn a lesson about honesty. And here's the thing. Once again, Patty, you fucked me up with the cinematography. It looks beautiful. Those games are incredible, and it's kind of complicated because we kind of want young diana to win but she cheats and antiope fucks her up about it she's like nah bitch she doesn't say that but like kind of that right but she lost her horse right so like she did what she had to do to get back on the horse i know i agree with with it it's, it's yeah i agree with it yeah i felt that she was a bit duped in that moment honestly like I don't know. Agreed. It's all ingenuity as well, right? I mean, she didn't hit that little. Which, okay, this. Okay, gosh, where do we start? This is my first moment with this. 
I was like, there's this weird combination on that island of like quite a lot of technology and like like no technology. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like this Correct. So so why are you holding up flags? Like that I couldn't understand on second viewing. I, I'm gonna prefix this by saying the first time I watched this, I was like in a totally different headspace. And I really enjoyed it because I just went for the ride. The mm. second time I was like, this is a mistake. I probably shouldn't have done that. But what I will say is I was like, why were they holding up flags as a way to indicate that they were making the track when they've got this fancy little like project, you know, thing of the gas? I don't know. I just felt like that was confusing. Although I will go with the cinematography that sold me on that scene for sure. I just went with that because of that. Yeah, it was, oh, it was, it was I'm looking nice. for that. It, it was nice. I, I agree. I agree completely. Were, were a good touch. I thought the flags were a good touch. If it, it, it added to the drama, uh, mm. I, I the only problem I had it was little CG Diana, like a lot of the throughout the movie too with the jumping. Like every time she jumped, I was like, "Oh my god, this looks like shit." It is twenty twenty. What are we doing? Why why can we still not make someone like jump into a scene and make them look like real doing it? Mm. That was my only issue. I wonder though. I think that was wires. Because it I is was, fireworks. yeah, I was yeah. looking at all that. They did a lot of the stunts. That little, little girl, what was her name? Um, I actually did look that up. Lily Aspel. She did yes. all that stunt work, but it was on wires, so that's why it had that suspended look. Oh yeah, oh. I didn't like it. I thought they did a better <laughs> job with Wandavision flying down the street. Yeah, and that was wires. <laughs> but, but you guys are right. The cinematography is amazing in this. It's mm. one thing because I. And I feel like I'm sensing uh, a theme here, and I'm glad because I thought I was going to be all alone. I, I had quite a few issues with this movie, and I say that as a diehard Wonder Woman fan. Like, mm-hmm. since I was eight years old, she's my favorite superhero in the world. For those of you viewers at home who can't see, I'm wearing a cap right now. And the, I will say one positive thing about this movie is it is gorgeous. It is. Mm-hmm. The cinematography is beautiful throughout. As far as the opening scene goes, if we're taking this like bit by bit, um, one thing I did have a problem with that I guess could be justified as Patty saying this isn't technically a sequel and it's its own story is it really does contradict what we know from the first movie in terms mm-hmm. of Diana was being forbidden to train. She mm-hmm. didn't like Hippolyta was really guarded about her learning her powers and they were very secretive about that. And yet she's allowed to compete in this competition where She's clearly outperforming grown Amazons in a way that's not normal. Like, you'd have to acknowledge that she's clearly a demigod in order to do that. And then even the speech at the end where she says, you're going to be something special for the world, that that's not what Hippolyta wanted for her in the first movie. She wanted to keep that kid at home. Yeah. Like, she didn't want her to, like, you know, go off to college and experiment. Like, she wanted to keep her on the island. She wanted to, like... So I, I thought that was a very interesting choice. But, like, I get it. They were clearly... I see this movie as kind of an Elseworld story in a lot of ways, even because it contradicts the BVS timeline. Um, mm. Despite what some people say, it really does not juxtapose well with that timeline. But yeah, I have to say, as far as all the scenes in the movie go, the opening scene is probably the strongest in terms of an overall spectacle, especially compared to some of the other moments of the movie, for sure. Oh, it's the, it's the best set piece no doubt, but this this yeah. movie speaks to the greater problem of the DCEU. We want to get as far away from Zack's artistic vision as we possibly can of having an interconnected universe and just tell wonderful stories about the characters that essentially he made wonderful. Mm. Right. I feel that. And the thing about it is, I, I, I love that because I remember, what, I remember you and I texting when this movie came out mm-hmm. and we fucking – went bananas over it and i loved yeah. it and and low-key i'm gonna give it away early on here in the first 10 minutes i still low-key love this movie but on the rewatch there are a lot of problems that you yeah. have to contend with there's a lot yeah. of a, a lot of plot thread problems a lot of motivation problems that you really have to become present to but you really spot him on the second watch. And, you know, and, it was the moment where I, like, had that, um, what was it, that, that clueless quote in my head, which was like, um, what is it, far away? She's like a Monet, far away. Like a Monet. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally it's a big old mess. And I was like, that's so true. When we watched it, we were also in a really different place, was, I think, emotionally. It was a hard Christmas it, for us. Yeah. It was a hard Christmas for us. 
Yeah. 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 And so here's the thing. So this movie, it has this opening sequence that uh, Chris brilliantly said that it doesn't really line up with what the first movie does. You know, it's kind of like, when did that happen then? Like, because the first movie told us a little bit of a different story, but okay, I'll get on board. And then it goes immediately from that 11 minute opening sequence into this mall sequence, which is colorful and glitzy and is so far removed from anything we've seen in the DCEU this far. Um, Mm -hmm. But it is a commitment to color and fun that sort of pervades this film, right? So this mall, so you have the theme of the movie is set up in the Themyscira sequence and then the actual like how the story is going to be told, like the execution is set up in this mall sequence because mm-hmm. the mall sequence completely gives us permission to be slapsticky, to be really super corny, to have some inexplicable moments and everything just on the rewatch, you start to notice that she gives, she creates the mall sequence to give herself permission to do all the things that need to happen for the movie to happen. Cause mm-hmm. this movie kind of suffers in that it's probably about 40 minutes of story. Mm. Yes, stretched out colorfully and beautifully among what is it? How it's like two and a half hours long. It's a long movie. Yeah, Yeah. two and a half hours. And I think you said that beautifully, Andrew. I think my my problem with a lot of this movie really comes down to the screenplay. And what I what I say is that first of all. Patty Jenkins, who I think is a fantastic director and who co-wrote the script with Jeff Johns, she clearly loves this character. And she very specifically loves a version of this character, which is Linda Carter's Wonder Woman. And Mm -hmm. this movie is so much of a love letter to that, even Mm -hmm. beyond the Donna references and everything. And I feel like after rewatch, and I I watched this movie so many times with, with notes and with everything, and looking at it, I was like, this movie where it kind of goes wrong in its script is its primary function is to service all of these nods, all of these references to Linda Carter show to silver age, wonder woman mythos and lore to Richard Donner and Sam Raimi and all of these things. And the story seems to be fleshed out around those nods instead of the reverse. And I feel like that's not really the foundation you want for a story. Exactly. Mm. It's yeah, kind of, it's very fun and it's very nostalgic. And I can see how much Patty Jenkins loved making this, but it's kind of like if you bake a cake and you put the sponge part on top of the frosting, like that's not the strong part. Like full disclosure, right. that sounds fucking delicious and I'd eat it, but still. <laughs> like, no, I was thinking exactly that too, actually, exactly yeah. the way that you said that. I was like, this is really good for maybe people who are like comic fans and know little bits and pieces and can be like, oh, it's that moment, it's that moment. But as a movie as a whole it just Cohesive, there were so yeah. many holes like i just watching it again i stopped writing notes because i was kind of bumming myself out <laughs> Do you it's, know a, what I mean? it's a shocking amount of holes yeah there was somebody there was somebody i know who said this screenplay felt like like the four of us went into a room and i wrote page one and i gave it to andrew and andrew wrote page two and he gave it to emma <laughs> and emma wrote page three and here and then chris was like i got four pages y'all and then by the time it got back to me, it's an unrecognizable script. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really shocking. I have a specific question uh, for CJ. CJ, I need you to mm. spend 90-plus seconds rhapsodizing okay. about what the Dreamstone means to you as a MacGuffin. Go. <laughs> the, the, what, what the Dreamstone means to me is it's just keep writing. It's like, let's just keep writing. Okay. Uh, At this thing that I can bring, I can bring Chris Pine back. You guys, I figured out Mm -hmm. how to bring Chris Pine back. It's the Dreamstone. Hey, you guys, I've got this great idea. We can get Catwoman into this movie. How? It's the Dreamstone. Hey, you guys, you know that guy that's playing Jin on uh, Disney Plus? What's that show? The Mandalorian. I can get him into this film. How? The Dreamstone. Everything that they needed, everything that they wanted to happen, it was just the Dreamstone. Because if you look at every single plot thread of this film and the message, even the, down to the message of like, you know, let's make sure we get what we need and not just what we want and the hero that Gotham deserves and blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just the thing <laughs> that keeps you going at night. It's like, I'm constipated. Here, have a dreamstone. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is at the end. That's the whole thing. I was like at the end going, hold up. What happened to the dreamstone? Where did it go? Like, where's the dreamstone? Where's the dreamstone? Because it didn't. It didn't come out of him when he it ran off the thing. Of yeah. Right? And I was like, I'm so confused. So it's it's yeah. managed to list, last 4,000 years destroying civilizations. Do but, you know pa- what I mean? but Pedro Pascal broke it. Yeah. 
And the internal logic surrounding the stone, unfortunately, I always say, a lot of people say, but it's a comic book movie. But in a comic book movie, you even have to have a stronger internal logic because you're already dealing with shiny ladies with lassos and men in capes. So you really got to have like some sort of internal logic, even for a movie like this that is kind of like... Superman three and four and like that kind of like I get what they're trying to do but even with that like he all of a sudden just says oh I can grant a second wish it's like but you just said you couldn't and as Andrew David yeah. Sotomayor always says you put it in the movie Thank like, you, you, you put it in the movie that you couldn't do it why did you fucking put it in the movie so that you could just yeah. write it's like CJ just said it's like yeah. one person wrote that and they're like oh but we have to make her cheetah we have to make her look like a cat and it's like yeah. Okay, but that doesn't make sense with her arc. She never wanted to look like a fucking cat. Like, yeah. why? It, it makes... I love this character so much, it makes me sad. I, right. I do know but, what but you, to you do. But you brought up Superman 3 and 4. Like, what, what, what is the one where he goes back around the world and, and, and that's changes the first everything? One. Is that 3? No, that's, well, that's the first Superman, one. That's Superman original, right? Yeah. They followed yeah. their own rules. They were like, okay, we're going to turn back time and, like, everybody's memory is going to be wiped. In this film... You see the the military guys being like, "Sir, we've got nukes disappearing," and it's like, "Okay, so what? Does everybody everybody remembers that this happened, right?" And now you have the even bigger problem in the DCEU of like little fucking Shazam in 2017 being like, "Hey, did you guys ever hear about that one day in 1984 where like everything <laughs> went fucking batshit and they fly now?" Like, I just it's 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 heartbreaking yeah. how how disjointed and how like they don't follow the rules like even in endgame where they took the time to explain the rules of time travel to us 11 times i'm okay with that because they followed their own rules and there there are no rules in this thing yeah yeah it it kind of it it kind of just does does what it needs to and i love that you uh I, i don't remember exactly who said it i think it was cj that it is kind of built around set pieces it's it's built around things, or as Chris saying, nods. It was built around nods. There's things yeah. that they needed to include, and so they did that, and then they wrote some lines to get you there. Like but, the jet. The jet's a perfect example of that. Like, yeah, they got to have a visible plane. Yeah. Yeah, yeah because, yeah. because the yeah. advent of the invisible plane. My dad plane, can do this, and I've only done it once, and I can, and, I I can try it now. Crap. I was like, and now suddenly you're controlling it on a moving plane. Like that was, but why would you write that? Yeah. Why well, you- also, also, uh, Steve Trevor has not flown a plane since the fifties. Yeah. It's not the same. He doesn't know how to fly since this the plane aughts. since the aughts, bro. The World War One was night. That was nineteen seventeen. And does a museum keep fully fueled jets just in their like back parking lot? Is fully that a fueled? thing? No, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Why are, they, why are those planes fueled? Yeah. None of it none of it makes sense. Really? What yeah. is this airport she's flying out of? None of it makes sense. Um, you know, no. some, but the thing is some of it makes sense, but then Some of it makes sense. But then but then things don't. Um I I want us to talk about uh this one moment in in this one thematic thing that keeps coming up. They kind of go out of their way to show us that men are pigs except Steve Trevor. Mm. Yeah. And like there's a lot of and I'm I'm here for this. Oh yeah. I'm I'm oh, yeah. I'm so here for the dynamic of these two strong women and and seeing seeing them confront what the 80s ideal of masculinity was as it was posited in an 80s film. So I love that we're we're watching these women get spoken to by men which we yeah. understand now with our 2020 lens that 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 uh Dialogue is inappropriate. Well, I was going to say, so again, I'm going to, I feel like I'm, I'm, it's almost like I'm going with two films here. Mm Because honestly, my first reaction to the film is very different to this second rewatch. Sure. The first time I watched it, I had a really strong reaction to that scene where she's um, kicking him and she suddenly is building strength and she turns around, she kicks the guy who was, you know, creeping on her. Mm -hmm. I actually, it was funny. I actually (laughs) had this moment where I was like, I fully understand that moment. You know, like, and, um, but on this rewatch, I was like, why is this one block radius? Why, how, how are they 10 of these guys on this one block? It's a little bit, it's a little bit ridiculous, <laughs> right? It's a little heavy handed on the second watch. Yeah. It's like, wait, so all of these men now, and, and here's this thing. I love that you brought that up in this 10 block radius because we're in DC in 1984. There's a big crack problem in DC yeah. in 1984, but there's only... 
there's well, only businessmen that attack pretty women. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Now, it was – I got why it was done. Yeah. And I had, a like, an emotional response to that scene in the way that I was like, I understand that feeling when you felt helpless and then you had the strength and you – I could understand it. But, yeah, on the rewatch, I was like, I don't understand. Like, is this a convention? I don't, it was very weird because it was literally like, <laughs> like go a couple of meters or, you know, and then it'd be the next guy. The next guy I was like, oh, it's a crowded night out there. Yeah. And I was like, you at the library? Like, yeah. like <laughs> 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 Where's the bar that Calling like all every asshole are... in the greater DC area? We need you to be near the Museum of Natural History because that's a fucking hot spot. It's so like, if you, weird. If you've been to Washington DC, you know there is not a bar within ten miles of that fucking strip. No, I think the problem is that the first film really tackled a lot of incredibly, and I say this as as a feminist, like it tackled a lot of strong feminist ideals with nuance and with many yeah. layers and with yeah. a lot of showing, nuance. not telling. Yes. What I love from the first movie is right. that there are certain things where she just says things like, no, but it's what I'm going to do. Or when he says, hey, stay here, I have to go talk to the council. And she just opens the door and goes, what? Like, why am I supposed... And it was a lot of showing, not telling. And it was mm. great. Whereas this movie took the opposite approach. And I think that's almost why a lot of us... I'm noticing a theme, and it was the same for me, about how after the first watch is when I really started to absorb the flaws. And I think it's because the first movie... Um, generated so much goodwill it was so well done and had our expectations it was like the reverse of when we went into Wonder Woman I went into the first Wonder Woman with really low expectations because of female-led superhero movies like Catwoman and Elektra and it blew my mind away and I went into this movie expecting another Wonder Woman and I was so happy to see her again that I didn't quite absorb a lot of the problems. I was like just so happy that she was flying and she like it was nice and Steve Trevor was back. And then I rewatch and I go, "Oh, this is a problem." What? This problem like, the whole thing with her strength. I was like so hot up. She just made this wish. She can't get a lock off. And then like two scenes later, she's back like running around pulling off steering wheels and I, oh. I just was like why is there no tracking of this like that's what I don't understand on this second rewatch is the rules of how the magic go? work are very inconsistent yeah yeah because I was like I'm going with you with this idea right I'm going to go with you on the ride and be like okay you, you've given up your strength it's slowly depleting except you couldn't move a lock two seconds ago and now we're back to yeah. you know like you can kick a truck yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. It also, is it supposed to establish that this Wonder Woman, because as a Wonder Woman nerd, there are some incarnations of the character that are bulletproof, and there are some that are not, hence the gauntlets. And yet there's a moment where it deliberately flashes to the gunshot wound in Cairo, where it's supposed to imply, like, oh, she can get hurt now. And it's like, but couldn't she kind of from piercing weapons before? And so that's, again, why it's like, okay, what are her powers in this movie? What can she do? I don't even know anymore. And it's mm. like you said, it's whatever the script kind of needs her to do. It's the Captain I mean, Marvel issue. She, she has what you need to keep the story going. And what's fascinating for me is that they, they poorly execute things. And then even the things that they poorly execute, they don't poorly execute them consistently. Mm-hmm. So, like, you have a situation where poor Barbara Minerva... Max Lord is able to flirt the Dreamstone away from her. Poor thing. And then all of a sudden, poor Barbara Minerva is in the White House defending Max Lord. It makes no yeah. sense. Why? Why? And Why? she's in the plane with him. When did she become his like weird second in command? Because movie. Because we have two villains in this movie and they and they team up. Because yeah. you know Well it was that it was that scene with backstory guy. That's what I'm calling the guy who like explained the magic thing to them mm-hmm. right where they like go to that back next to the galaxy records like backstory guy he's in the, oh, scene, yeah. he's in the movie for one scene he explains right. everything Barbara hears that she might have to give up her thing so that's why she wants to protect Max Lord it's a weak motivation but that's what it is motivation problems abound I have another question for the group I love mm-hmm. your questions how do we feel this movie fares as far as representation from an ethnic minority standpoint. Ooh. I think there was an attempt. <laughs> Silence. <laughs> no, I, I think that, it's funny you say that because I was kind of noticing it. I was like, there was an attempt. There was an attempt. I'm not sure if it was successful. Uh-huh. There was an attempt. 
Emma, I do see how they do try to include a lot of people of color in this movie, but I have some friends in the Muslim community, and I won't speak on this a ton because I'm still learning about it, and I'm not fully qualified as, as a white man to talk about it, but there were apparently a lot of problems with certain aspects of Muslim representation in the Cairo yeah. scene, and then yeah. one particular scene in particular which people felt was a little tone-deaf given some of the controversy around Gal was the kids playing soccer in the street, and that there's like a whole news story thing. Again, I when I don't know enough about something, I don't like to divulge further details, but I do know that was somewhat of a controversy among the Muslim community with this movie. So I think yeah. it's kind of a double-edged sword in that way. Yeah, I, I'd read that too, which is, that's why I say I feel there was an attempt. I'm not sure that it was successful. Right. You know what I mean? It felt like a little bit of a um, brush, broad brushstroke attempt and not really. I mean, I think that because what ultimately they're leaning into this idea of the 80s and greed and that's kind of what's fueling it and then we're talking about like politics at the time and oil and the fact that you know a lot of what's happening perhaps that more politically is happening in the Middle East but again it's a very broad stroke do you know what I mean it's like yes you know we haven't had a major war really like world war what we're going to call a world war for 50 years or no not more less than that you know, World War Two. So we're just going to go with kind of like the conflicts that were going on, but not really understand the conflicts. We're just going to kind of like stick a Middle Eastern guy in there and call it a day, you know, like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah there's, there's, there's a Middle Eastern guy who has a fuck ton of oil. There's the yeah. president who wants to, you know, launch nukes from space. All not of a sudden, there's the space. There's the space thing that's there very conveniently. And then these and then the particles. I'm changing the subject to the particles, you guys. What the actual fuck was that? When he started talking about particles, I said, not only is the train off the rails, it's off the bridge, it's in the water, it's the Titanic. This movie is sunk when he started talking about particles. I don't understand how the particles may allow him to, to touch people. He's like, so yeah. basically, and he says it too, he's like, so basically, like, I can be touching everybody. I'm like, I don't think yeah. that's how TV works. <laughs> yeah, I can't, like, 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 the fact that James Lipton is dead saddens me, but what saddens me even more is that he doesn't get to ask Pedro Pascual the question about the particles <laughs> and how he was able to deliver that line. So somewhere Harvey Weinstein is sitting in a cell and adding that particle thing to his Amazon wish list. <laughs> oh my god. I couldn't it, yeah. I couldn't believe it. It's strange. I, mean, I was eating I was eating sesame chicken, happy as a fucking clam, and then Pedro <laughs> talked about the particles. I couldn't it's I was strange. like oh. so, so the particle what sequence the, what is happening. The particle sequence brings me to a part of the movie that I felt very personally connected to the first time I watched it. And 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 what's funny is like I, I, I had this personal connection to this specific scene and uh, I was curious because I did not I had a certain experience the first time I watched it. And so on the rewatch I was just like, is my personal connection to the scene gonna be the same? And I will say that like my personal connection to this specific scene really held up. It's the scene where uh, she's like where she's doing her thing with the lasso while he's in the particle machine. And they show uh, Max as a child, and he's just sitting there eating uh, tamale and getting and and getting insulted. And so, like a bit of backstory, I don't know if you guys know this, but like um, my dad was from Puerto Rico, my mom is from New York. They're both Puerto Rican, though. But um, I was raised in a household where I was told to act white, specifically act white, because he's like my father used to tell me, "You'll be held back if they find out." Like he would say things like that. He had such a bad experience coming to this country that he felt mm. it was he, he was able to protect his child effectively by telling him that. Right. So when I saw that kid getting picked on with the tamale, and then you have a situation where Max Lord has wanted to be a Donald Trump figure, and it's pretty mm. deliberately the way they painted that he wanted to be yeah. a Donald Trump figure so badly that he's actually turned into a terrible and absent father. He's actually turned into a bad person because of this desire to be like everybody else. That still resonated with me. The problem is you juxtapose that with your completely like uh, ambiguously motivated Egyptian characters that have oil, money, and guns. And I'm not even sure what that plot thread was about after a second mm -hmm. watch. You know, I know a wall was erected. In, and I know it caused problems, and I know somehow all of our main characters, for as difficult as it was to get to Egypt, 
were able to exit Egypt after that big catastrophe without issue. And also that everyone knew in 1984, about 10 seconds after the wall had happened, that suddenly the whole entire world knew and it was on newscast. It's really quick. I was like, hold up. Yeah. Like, how did 1984, like, it took some time to get news to people. So how does everyone suddenly know this? Um, Yes, but sorry, I interrupted you. But on that point, I agree with you. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it couldn't decide what it was saying. Yeah, it had an, it, the whole film had an identity crisis about the topics it wanted to discuss, and and it would it would inefficiently talk about the same topic in two different inefficient ways. I think you said that exactly right. And I think what like what you talked about with Max and his childhood, there are some strong emotional beats in this movie that unfortunately don't have any connective tissue to anything yeah. else. Yeah, they, yeah. they start someplace and they don't quite finish. And even mm-hmm. like Barbara is a perfect example of that where her arc is completely unresolved. Even mm. if you throw in the, well, there might be a sequel. It's like, but no, within this movie, we don't know what she's learned. We don't know what she's thinking. Feel like, and the same with Max. It's like, yes, there's that strong emotional beat, and I feel bad for him. But by the end of this movie, what does he ultimately want at this point? Like, mm-hmm. what does he want? It, there's so many things there, and even the message. Her message about you can't have it all. You can only have the truth. That connects pretty well to what we learn about Max, but it does land a little bit tone deaf in regards to this broadcast to the whole world who just wants a wish. And there are people who are maybe poor, riddled with disease. Their towns are ravaged by war. They've lost loved ones. And you have this immortal, pretty, rich demigoddess saying, sorry, you can't have it all. It's like, bitch, you were crying because a guy you boinked one 70 years ago has to go back. (laughs) Like, you don't get to talk. You knew him for a week. You knew him, like, she's like, oh, I gotta figure out when my boyfriend's back. He ain't your boyfriend. You didn't have time to update your Facebook status. You knew him for a week in a war. That's it. And also that that final line, she delivers it so beautifully. And and I'm sure that everyone in the room thought it meant something. But that final that final line, as far as when you just extract that line from the page and like look at what that means and try to adjust what that means, it's it's about as like it has the depth of when you get home later, I'm gonna smell your dick. Like it, it kind of it kind of is like what? What is that? So romantic. What does that mean? I, I do want to give I do want to give just a little bit of credit here because we're talking about the end, right? Um, a beautiful lie is playing. Ah, uh-huh. right. The song from. The Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. uh, which kind of you know, and, Great and when you're talking about, and when you're talking about, you know, the beginning of that movie and what Ben Affleck is saying, uh, what Batfleck is saying, <laughs> um, it, it is kind of nice because it does, it does sort of, you know, provide a little bit of connective tissue for the universe at large. Right. And what Diana is saying to everybody is like, hey, guys, listen, I know that life is like kind of shitty. You know, and I understand that Bruce Wayne's parents were gunned down in a fucking alley. And I know that the Flash's dad is in jail. And I know that Cyborg is like half of a person. Right. And like (laughs) fucking Clark Kent can't can't catch a break. You know, so that 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 actually I mean, and I'm getting ahead of myself here. Like, that's like the one thing that worked for me in this movie was that moment where that song played and like. I should have been inconsolable in that moment, (laughs) right? But I was, like, just, like, a little bit emotional. And the fact Mm. that – and, like, Chris, what you were saying about, like, you know, the characters and, like, the stories and, like, nothing really paying off, nothing really being earned, that's Mm. why I wasn't in a puddle on the floor. Mm -hmm. But I do think that that moment actually worked from a storytelling perspective given the history of this universe. Okay. Yeah, what well, really well put, CJ. That was actually really quite beautiful. I get it. CJ, I will smell your dick later for that. That is. I think the Bart walked in on that exact moment in frame. Oh, we we should we should we should take a break. <laughs> Let's take a break. <laughs> You know, CJ, I love that we have such a litany of episodes to share with our listeners. Litany, that's a great word, Andrew. I'm glad that you said that word because it makes me think of the litany of social media options that exist in the world today. Oh, look at you riffing off of me. That's fantastic. Uh, I feel like we have a wholly underutilized Instagram and Twitter that we should be engaging with our listeners on. 
I would like to Instagram and Twitter with our listeners. So this is going to be the at icon or ycon on Twitter at icon or ycon on Instagram and coming soon icon or ycon the YouTube channel. So please folks comment, subscribe, let us know what we're doing well. It can't be that much to write. Let us know what we're doing poorly and it'll make you feel like you can practice your grammar. Oh, I love that. I love that. And punctuation. Absolutely, because there's going to be a lot of sentences when it comes to giving us notes. But seriously, folks, we want to hear from you. Don't be shy. Get involved. Engage. And we'll keep bringing you the best of the film universes that there are. I love that. Back to the show. And we're back. We are. And the commercial is still the same. And for that, I want to say I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, <laughs> next, next universe, CJ, we're going to record a new commercial. Okay, great. We'll really step up to the plate and yeah. record a new commercial. I think Maybe. that our next commercial recording will hit it out of the park. <gasps> teases for next season. Well, <laughs> anyway, so we, we had a whole thing about this movie. We did the whole thing. We talked about it. We broke it down. We had some laughs. We shed some tears. We said some dick jokes. And uh, now I think it's time for some ephemeral questions. Ephemeral questions about Worldwide 84. We'll say what works and what didn't work, and then we'll answer some more. Well, ephemeral questions about WW84. Well, we'll give special awards, and then we will go and we'll... We'll go on tour. Hey! <laughs> you guys, Emma and Chris, that is the first time that my lead up to ephemeral questions has been underscored. Like, it was good. That was, CJ, that was fucking beautiful. It's a crossfade. Yeah, absolute crossfade. And like, uh, you know, way to go with the she can dance. It was 80s. It's my favorite song from the 80s. That's what happened. I, I used to be in an 80s parody duo, and uh, we would do safety dance. And one of my bits at the beginning was that when they spell safety, I would spell safety wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> you were brilliant in that. Oh my I, God. Safety, I would spell S-A-T-F-E-Y. And so when I would say dance, it would be like, dance. <laughs> that was my one contribution to the humor of that show. No, 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 sir. I can't let you. So you all don't realize Andrew was a part of this group and it was like a takeoff of the Arrhythmics with Annie Lennox. And he was her side. There's this woman who is kind of a dead ringer for Annie Lennox and has vocal stylings kind of similar. And Andrew plays her sidekick with this ridiculous wig, like this ridiculous <laughs> cousin it wig. And for, for all of you who know Andrew's personality to play this deadpan, serious low it was amazing it was so funny oh my god that was six years ago we had that was six years ago we we had a residency at a club in the upper side and chris was very generous and kind and would come visit us and watch us and enjoy us and and hand me stage whiskey he was the best that summer and wings and And wings wings. and give me wings yeah it was so good (laughs) (laughs) anyway all right ephemeral questions cj laroche yes what worked for you about this movie Okay, so besides The Beautiful Lie, what really worked for me and what I found myself sort of like um, pining through the whole film. I hate you. And just sort of like, <laughs> just sort of like, gadushing. Oh um, <laughs> Chris and Gal, you guys, back together on the screen, just being so romantic and so in love and so happy. Uh, it was really wonderful. The, um, the body snatching element aside, uh, I really thought that those two just have this such amazing chemistry and it's so wonderful to see two people, whether they like each other in real life or not, I don't know, but those two people are in love and absolutely 100% need each other to be whole. And for me, just watching that, it, it was really, really, really beautiful. And I thought that, you know, that is what worked. Honorable mention Kristen Wiig and Pedro Pascal, such great acting with mm-hmm. such little to work with. <laughs> so that's what that's what was really working for me was that was the acting uh-huh. in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next. Emma, Emma, how about you? Hmm. I'm going to still go with the ambition of the film. 
worked for me. Yeah. I don't think it was successful necessarily, but there was a reason I responded to it initially. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is um, a hope and uh, um, I guess a hope really is the way to say it, like for humanity and for people that this character always has. And that's kind of what carried me through it. So I'm going to go with that because um, right now I'm having trouble thinking of that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I like designs, you know what I mean, stuff like that. And, man, she can really wear some 80s outfits. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to go. The overall feeling I had when I first watched it was one of hope and, and still, like, a love of the character. So I'm okay. going to go with that. Christopher? CJ, I got to say, smelling your dick has really rubbed off on me because I completely agree with you. Um, I also agree with Emma, too. This is a very ambitious. Stop picturing it and come back. Um, This is this is incredibly ambitious undertaking. But for me, yeah, the strongest points were the acting. Um, Gal Gadot's acting has immensely improved. Like she's really like doing some strong work here Um, for me. Um, the strongest performer of the group in this movie, not overall, but in this movie, was Chris Pine, actually, which is funny when I get to what didn't work for me. But um, his acting, he does these amazing, subtle things with his eyes, you know, especially in some of the more poignant, romantic, emotional beats of the story, like when he first returns and when he's ultimately getting ready to leave. It's the same look in his eyes as when the plane was going down in the first movie. He just knows how to convey so much with a simple look and that is such that's a great sign of a truly talented film actor where you can just do so much with these subtle little performances and he really anchors gal like in those scenes like he really strikes the match that like kind of lights the fuse of these emotional scenes for them to play off of i still don't think that they always go anywhere great but when those emotional beats do happen you do feel them. You don't feel them as strongly as you could have if they connected more, but you do feel them. And like CJ said, the big part of the reason why he's in this movie again is because their chemistry is amazing. They have one of the best on-screen chemistries of a superhero couple that we've had in years. Mm-hmm. So for me, that cinematography and the score are the three mm. things that work for me about this movie. Those I was going to actually, you're right. Hans Zimmer, right, did the score for this, and Correct. it was beautiful. Yeah, I thought yes. that was- that was really. I also just want to give a quick shout out to I think I, I'm going to say this correctly. Lucian Perez, who played Alistair, the little boy, his son. Oh, he, was great. he was great. He was great. Like, oh, very good. Really beautiful moments in there where I was like, this kid's like killing it. Mm. So, yeah, anyway, he knows what's I'm up. Mm. It's it's out. so fun that you guys said um, all of those things because oh. <laughs> what I put was it's fun and colorful and well acted. Like you know, like I can't. <laughs> I can't complain about the actual performances. You know, they actually really did a good job. And the movie as a whole is super fun and super colorful. And some of those action sequences are out of this world. It's just that if we, what we seek out to do here is to really like digest the film. And when you try to digest the film, it doesn't really hold up in all of the ways. And I think it's kind of made worse by the fact that, uh, its predecessors were so strong and strong yeah. for the character. I think yes. that's, I think right. that's why the disappointment. So like, cause you have situations like I loved birds of prey and I, I understand that there's potholes, but I find it so much better than suicide squad. It was such an improvement that I was here for it. Plot holes and all, because it was a large mm-hmm. improvement than that weird incubus storyline. Jesus. So like, um, yeah. <laughs> you know, th- this was not an improvement. This was a, a step back to give us kind of what, uh, I feel like WB thinks we want. Hmm. Anyway, that's my we don't. that's my take. We don't. We don't. We don't. Yeah. Uh, if, if one of them becomes the 18th listener, stop making movies <laughs> that suck. Uh, uh, Emma, what didn't work for you? Oh God! Um, <laughs> just pick your favorite one because we can't be here all night. <laughs> I'm going to go with what I said earlier. Fourth um, of July. Yeah. I still. I was watching it again. I, I didn't pick up on it the first time, and then I was like, "Hold up, Fourth of July? When? When?" And then I went back through all the um, costume choices, and I was like, "I'm so what? 
with, she's wearing <laughs> like earlier when she was having dinner. It was like a, a, a brisk like autumn evening. I yes, yeah. so I'm gonna go with that for I'm, her heart, again, Emma. Say that again. I missed what you for said. her heart, Emma. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, I just think that um, yeah. I'm not. I, if I start picking it apart, it will. We will just like disintegrate in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I'm going to go with um, I. I'm ambition and hope. That's what I'm taking with me tonight. I like that. Yeah. Uh, Christopher, what didn't work for you? Uh, okay, I'm going to try to keep this quick because I, I know I'm a verbose motherfucker and I, I don't want to chew up too much time. But um, so um, despite what I said before, one of the things that don't work, doesn't work for me for this movie is bringing back Chris Pine. Uh, for two reasons. Number one, because I'm honestly, as a Wonder Woman fan, getting sick and tired of her motivations just being a male love interest. And I love Steve. It's it's not to say she can't, that a strong woman can't love a man. That's not what I'm saying. But I'm seeing a pattern in these movies with Diana. And what I loved about Justice League is I didn't hear Steve Trevor's name. It's like, you're 5,000 years old, bitch. I mean, you knew him for Uh a week. So, like, you know, there's other stuff. Um, but he has no arc also in this movie. He has no wants, no desire. He's there solely to motivate her to make choices, which is really the last thing you want from a character like this. You don't want Steve Trevor having to push her to make the right decision. It just didn't really work. And then for me, what also didn't work, and it's because, and I don't like, you know, it's like what Emma said, which was perfect which is this is such an ambitious film and the choice to not do too many action scenes and CGI action scenes. It's a risky move. I applaud it. But you already have a movie where the pacing is a little bit rough in two and a half hours. And a great way to pad that for a superhero film is to have some really good action set pieces. You know, Justice League was twice the amount of this movie and it didn't feel as long. Mm. And that's because they pace it with all these different elements that you find in a superhero movie. Whereas this, there's a whole hour where she's not Wonder Woman. There's a whole yeah. hour where she's just Gwyneth Paltrow. A full Paltrow. hour, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> she's just following Gwyneth Paltrow writing a Goop article. Like, it's just really <laughs> right down to the last speech. It's just, I'm not here for it. But, um, yeah, that's that's the thing. And just finally, like, this is a great tribute to Linda's Wonder Woman. Love Linda's Wonder Woman. It is not a viable version of the character going forward. Not for 2021 and not for current audience's sensibilities. I know some people, the 17 listeners are going to hate me for that, but I'm just saying, don't do it. Mm-hmm. WB, don't do it. I feel that. CJ? Okay, so an intern can give tours of the White House. <laughs> uh, she... She she starts flying and like where is she going? Like she could have flown halfway to Cleveland by the time she gets that armor, which is back in DC. Yeah. Okay, what's going yeah. on there? Uh, I wish to be the Dreamstone. I wish to be the Dreamstone. Okay, so you're you're just gonna do the whole point of the fucking movie in about a six second clip? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. Come on. Also, they fly now. They fly now. <laughs> Come on, man. Thank you for the Rise of Skywalker reference. They fly now. Yeah. Okay. Like, dude, you can't. If you have to, is it, again, it's the Ryan Johnson issue. You can't make your own movie. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to. You have to give. You have to think about what comes next and what came before. Right. Because yeah. if Wonder Woman could fly, that would solve a whole lot of fucking problems in the future. She mm-hmm. flies in Justice League. She flies at the end does of the she, original Wonder Woman. Does she fly? She does. Does she fly? Does, does she does, fly? Yeah. She is, she's got a full-on fucking flight path, man. Like, <laughs> she could have just flown them over to Cairo. Also, yeah. how many miles a gallon does a jet get? <laughs> Listen, that museum gas really goes a long way. <laughs> they kept, that right? thing was full, yeah. So, it was you know, full. Some of the stuff you said, I part of the reason I was like I can't pick one thing is because I watching it this second time I kept on skipping back 
because I was like, did I miss something? Hold on. And one of the moments was the I was like, when did I go back and get the gold suit? Like, what? Did I miss that? Hold on. Did I fall asleep? And I was like, oh, no. no Jesus. Okay. So that's an example, Emma, of a nod from the comic. It's an armor she wears in this great Elseworlds story called Kingdom Come, and then again mm-hmm. in another like uh, saga called the Imperiex War. And it's so interesting because pa- they're paying tribute to like the pacifist version of Wonder Woman, but that armor is directly pulled from like the warrior Wonder Woman aspect of the comics. And then it does nothing. It does she nothing. Does, it does nothing. It lasts about two <laughs> seconds against Cheetah. I was like, that was yeah, a waste yeah, she, of her whatever time it took to go back to the she, apartment, put that outfit yeah, on. Right. Like Asteria, she, she had the whole of mankind banging down. She yeah. was fine. Wonder Woman brought it out and those wings were done. I just yeah. was like, yeah. yeah. It was, yeah, not consistent. That's my what didn't work really is there, there's just a lot of mythology holes that don't really line up. Uh, you know, I can only grant one wish. There's a whole scene where he can only he can't grant somebody a second wish until he can grant somebody a second wish. I don't know why Barbara Minerva's special, but thank goodness she's special because now we have Cheetah. Uh, you know, I, I don't understand why this wish can make any this wish stone can make anything appear, but Steve Trevor's spirit has to appear in some random dude's body. I don't understand. Oh. I don't understand yeah. how that works. Um, I, I get it that like maybe she has this power to um, make things invisible, but like I just like I don't understand like why right now is the time to like explore it. Uh, I the flight I'm okay with because I I'm a I'm a Wonder Woman flight believer. I believe she does fly in Justice League, and you see even more of that flight in Zack Snyder's Justice League. There's a, an actual freeze frame of her flying in Justice League. I see no yes. flight. I'm yes. gonna have to go back and rewatch because it's that, I, see it's her, that I don't one, see her fly once. It's that one yeah. badass scene where they're all charging on um, Steppenwolf's compound, and it freeze frames, and you see Cyborg, you see Aquaman riding on the Batmobile, Flash running to the side, Cyborg flying next yeah. to them, and Wonder Woman uh-huh. in flight next to them. Oh, is she flying? She's flying. She yeah, that's, that's not just a really long fucking jump. Like she flies now. She, okay. She, well, she'll she. Wonder Woman can fly. People She's don't know been that. able to fly since 1987 in the comics. I, they officially I, granted her the power. I thought yeah. she was lassoing in that moment. I, I'll go back and I'll go back and check. She's, she's legit flying in that freeze frame. Um, but okay. beyond that, there's a lot of mythology holes. Uh, same thing with like Max Lord. I wish to become the Dreamstone. Uh, why doesn't he turn into the stone? Why does the stone dissolve and, and give him the powers? Do you know what I mean? Like that's like. That would be the whole monkey paws of wishes if he turns into a rock in that moment. <laughs> if, the, yeah. if the rules line up, he should turn into a rock in that moment. Uh, the armor, <laughs> it just, it's just. Where's it's, the god? Where's the god that's causing the god? all this Where's, the, where's god? the god? He's gone. He just dropped the stone. He's busy. Well, the, and maybe, did you notice? Did you notice that homeless man was reading Waiting for Godot? Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think I know the answer to this next question, but does this movie make your Desert Island top five? Yes or no, Christopher? Yes, because on a desert island, you need something to keep the fire burning. And I also use the melted plastic to fashion myself a shiv against predators. So there we go. Wow. CJ. Yeah, you can you can you can absolutely create a mean blaze with a Wonder Woman eighty four poster and screenplay. <laughs> <laughs> terrible, <You're> terrible. <laughs> CJ. Yeah. Does it make the desert island top five? Answer the fucking question. Oh, this movie is a, is the desert island. <laughs> it's just I'm invisible. Dead. I'm dead. Yeah, it's just invisible. Yeah. Emma? Oh, gosh. I don't have any clever, witty banter. I'm just going to go with no. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Emma, because what I needed was an answer. That was the cleverest one of all. (laughs) What I got was shtick. (laughs) We smell your shtick. (laughs) Oh, my God. Um, It does not make my desert on top five either. Uh, I just think it's uh, a... It doesn't hold up on the rewatch. It doesn't. It was fun. It was fun uh, uh, during the most painful Christmas of my life. Um, it was really awesome on that day. And it, yeah. it wasn't after that. So, um, special award. 
Um, I'm going to go with a special award to the storytelling journey of um, Kristen Wiig's hair colour. <laughs> like, I don't know if you noticed, but, like, her hair changed, like, the blonde changed every scene. I don't know if you noticed that. I but if you notice. Back, yeah, they, they changed the blonde. And I was like, oh, that's an attention to detail that could have been given to the entire film. But, you know, um, <laughs> there you go. That's to her hair. The, oh. the journey that uh, Kristen Wiig's hair took me on. I, lo- I love an awardable, a laudable hair journey. So mm-hmm. much. Andrew, Andrew, the entire time I was thinking, like, Romy, you look so good with blonde hair and brown roots. It's like not even funny. <laughs> <laughs> that Talk about a movie that holds up on the rewatch. That yes. is amazing stuff. Uh, CJ, what is your special award? Uh, my special award uh, for Wonder Woman 84 uh, is the This Is Not Us award. <laughs> okay. Because every single episode of This Is Us, when there's a dad and a son involved, I am waterworks. Mm-hmm. I am inconsolable, like I said earlier. Um, and so I just want to thank the filmmaker for not making me cry because they had ample <laughs> opportunity. There's ample opportunity in this movie. Like when she's, when she's like trying. Gal, Gal is doing such great work when she's um, saying, like, I can't do it. I can't give you up. And then she walks away and she says, I renounced my wish. Like, I sh- th- there should not have been a dry eye in the house. Okay. I guess I could give them the, the anti-Kleenex award, too, because no <laughs> Kleenex were harmed in the making of this movie. Just a big, colossal failure. So this is not us oh award. <laughs> to World Wide Web, 84. Chris, what's your special award? Uh, this special award is the Well Actually Award. Um, <laughs> because this entire film is one giant motherfucking Well Actually from sure beginning to everything is just because movie and it's like, eh, you're full of shit. Um, just write down even, even in that scene that CJ's talking about, like where again, it's like, Oh, I can't give you up. I can't give you up. It's like, he's in another person's body. Like, did we forget that? Like, what is that guy doing in this time? Is he in purgatory? Like what, like what is going on? Like they're literally putting this body in danger and she's boinking this body. It's just, oh. this is like the Me Too Award, too. I'm going to bridge it into the Me Too Award as well, too. Because I, I don't think nice. that this, I think they just forgot. I think, like CJ said, it was like all these different hands in the kitchen. And they forgot, like, oh, by the way, you're hijacking another dude's body. Right. Wait, and, and then, the film doesn't acknowledge it. And then at the end, she's just like, hey. And it's yeah. like, ah, uh, awkward. Yeah, you definitely slept with him already. <laughs> yes. Absolutely yeah, slept I think, Chris, Chris it goes, it goes back to your problem about with, with the nods, man. Like, th- that was a nod, obviously, to Big. Yeah, correct. Right, with the yeah. body switching. But, like, and, and when, when that woman looks at that kid that she slept with at the end of the movie in, like, 1980, whenever that movie came out, like, it's cool. Except that that was right? his but nowadays, body. it's like... Right, that was actually his actual body. Right, that, that was like a, up, right? a body that was like changed. That's what I'm saying. Like that's why it was like cool because it wasn't actually the kid. No. In this movie, there's non-consent everywhere. With mm. that, yeah, right? and, and then she's like, yeah, like you said, she has that little moment with him at the end. Yeah, it's, it's so gross. I think honestly, what would have probably made all of that land better, and I'll just I'll finish with it is just like we talked about how it's bright and fun and silly. Is that that kind of changes in this movie a lot? Like if the entire movie was really just so silly and everything like you could almost get away with it more but the prop like a Romeo and Michelle movie which me and Andrew love but like there are parts of this movie that try to hit so serious like there's one scene in the White House where one woman's just getting plugged with bullets and I'm like like is this a kid's film or is it not and there's just like there's so many serious moments in this movie and I feel like tonally that's what kind of takes you out of like these moments where you can't just say, well, they're not taking it too seriously because then in other moments they're taking it very seriously. And so Mm -hmm. I think if they had just committed one way or the other, they, I mean, I don't know, maybe it still wouldn't have saved the movie, but maybe it would have helped certain points. Mm. But 
yeah, she totally fucked a dude. So <laughs> yeah, like what is what is that moment on the street? It's not that. It's not what yeah. we saw. Hey, thanks. <laughs> you just made my day, boy. You have no idea. <laughs> no. <laughs> Congratulations is all I'm going to say about that. Like, yeah, it's so weird. weird. It's so weird yeah. and gross and problematic. Mm-hmm. Problematic word. So my special award for this movie, Chris, I'm so happy that you said the well actually word because my special award is the because movie award. (laughs) (laughs) That makes sense. Because because like everything just kind of happens because movie, the actual sum of the movie, like the actual ride of the movie is really fun, beautifully photographed. But like my word, there's so much. It's just like because movie. Mm-hmm. You know, also, um, and Ryan George from uh, Pitch Meeting does a really good job of pointing this out. <laughs> when Max Lord, when Max Lord leaves the pedestal and he just runs, he kind of just runs into an open field and Alistair is there. Where is he? <laughs> Where is he? And yeah. why was Alistair in the woods? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> why was he in the yeah. woods? He was halfway across island? town. Like, what did he yeah. like? He hitchhiked around the belt. Come on. What's it happening there? Where did he no, come from? It makes no sense which yeah. brings me yeah, to writing, which which just brings me to my very special random bonus question right random bonus question you have yeah. three seconds to answer right mm-hmm. you have to oh, go God. there's no For elaborating sure. there's no elaborating okay. it's just a snap answer all right fix okay. we all go at the same time no no no. one at a time fix one plot point chris which one um, the, the, st- the body snatch issue, like just give him a body, just make him corporeal. I love that. Emma, yeah. fix one problem. Um, rules of the stone thing. <sighs> Magic rules. Smell that down. Got it. CJ, fix one plot point. Go. She, she took mine. Um, Wonder Woman's diminishing powers make it more <laughs> consistent. Got yeah. it. But fuck you, Emma. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <coughs> Uh, mine is uh, give Cheetah an actual origin story. Yeah, yeah. Who is who is she? Who is she? Why does she turn into a big cat? What's happening? Wh- way better than Why does the person that employed her not know her? Like, why is it that trope? I anyway. It's weird. Yeah, no, you're yeah. absolutely right. Yeah. It's Selena Kyle. It's, it's Selena totally Kyle. because it's it has glasses exactly and a ponytail. <laughs> Shut oh, oh. Yeah. is this movie an icon or a Y-con? CJ. Um, I think it's an icon because of when it came out, Hmm. the circumstances surrounding it, and the fact that it's so horribly bad. (laughs) But, but, kind of fun. Chris? It's a uh, die con for me. Die in a fire on a a desert (laughs) island con. Oh, Emma, that's oh. a new fucking category. I think that sticks. That might stick. A die well done. It's a die <laughs> Yeah, because actually, I uh, I don't know if icon is the right one. It's not quite a Ycon for me, but it's like a maybe con. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I'm gonna need some time, but I'll probably watch it again one night when it, like it's on. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not. And and oh, that's what oh, I mean. Part of the canon. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. yeah. So that's what I mean because it's so much fun. Like it's it's definitely you know I got kicked out of bed. I'm sleeping on the couch. I fucking load up HBO Max and watch WW84 to go to sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. I feel that. I feel it's totally one of those yeah. movies. If yeah. were and were we in the 80s and 90s, it would totally be on your HBO Cinemax cycle. Like they would just play it 74 Absolutely. times a week. It's yeah. like Mallrats. Which yeah. is, but Morass is a better movie. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. but Andrew, in the spirit of like not having any rules or like following them, that's why I made it an icon. Got it. Right, because I'm not following my <laughs> own rules here too. Sorry that uh, I had to explain that to you. No, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's it, at least okay. you were in line with the movie, and uh, and you created a moment yeah, for me, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I'd like to know. Make though, one have a drinking game out of this movie. For- I will say that every time there's a plot hole that happens, just take a shot. 
Andrew, icon or Wycon? Oh, well, thank you for asking, CJ. Uh, I think it's been so long since I've asked you. <laughs> it really has. Um, I think this movie is. I think it's an icon. I think this movie is going to end up being super remembered mm. uh, for being that that movie that came out in Christmas during the pandemic. You know, and like it was, it was polarizing, but we had this dearth of superhero <laughs> content. And thank goodness uh, it came out before WandaVision completely hijacked the conversation about powerful women in superhero movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, too, was this the first HBO Max thing? Yeah, I think yeah. it was. This was the first yeah. one, right? That like yeah. dropped yeah. in the HBO and also in the. It was the theater, first time they were really... trying to do that, yeah. And there's definitely yeah. something to be said about how we receive that stuff during that time period. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. we will talk about this in years to be like, ah, that time. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. wonder if Tiger King is going to hold up as a good docuseries. Do you know what I mean? Or did we just need it? Yeah. Do we just need it? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, Andrew, real quick before we continue on, um, I, I'd just like to say the 17th listener is in the room right now. So if we want to plead to get her back, uh, now's the time. All right. Well, listen, hold on. Let me get my notebook out because I've actually prepared some verbiage for this. Give me a second. Okay, great. Oh, God. Did she hear me say I smelled your Let me just – let me get her hooked up here. Yep. One second. Let me, give, let me give her audio. How long is this episode going to be if I jump on? <laughs> All right. Can we – can you hear – can we hear – can you hear that? Hi, Lena. Lena. Ooh, I like that color on you. All right, great. Let's keep going though. Thank you. Andrew, get her back. Dear Lena. <laughs> It has been eight plus weeks since you have listened to an episode of Icon or Wycon. I know it is not my place to ask you what I need to do to win you back. But what I'm going to say is, whatever you request, I will perform this task. I will do what needs to be done. I am wrapped in my lasso of Hestia's love for you. And your listenership. And, and if CJ is my gauntlets, you are my weird Athenian skirt. Please continue listening to us again. What did you say about my husband's gauntlets? <laughs> so many things earlier. Wait, 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 Lena, are you back? Lena, are you back? Um, what, what movie are we on? <laughs> Major League is next. Major, Major League is next. Major League is oh, next. Oh, baseball babies. I'm here for baseball. She's and back. 17 she's listeners. Back. Wait, Thank are you, you ready? Much. Ready? Lena, Lena. Thank you very much. Lena. <laughs> the book, though. This is like a written passage. This was completely, uh, what's the word? Not planned. Yes. Off the cuff. Spontaneous, What's if you will. Spontaneous. There you go. Yeah. Thank you. All right, thank you. Bye, beautiful. Thank, thank you, Lena. Lena. Thank I look you, forward Lady. to your comments on my Apple Don't podcast. To subscribe at Icon or Wagon. <laughs> 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 oh, you guys, what a success. Our first episode with two guest hosts. It's the end of the DCEU. It's Taco Tuesday. We went live. Zero edits. We're going nuts. And we got our 17th listener back. This day couldn't have turned out better. This was an iconic day. This was no an iconic question. day for us. Oh my! <laughs> did Lena just say why iconic? She's back. I don't care. She, she can say whatever the fuck well, she, she did. She's back. She's back. She said it live on the air. It's it's back. Ah, oh, well, thank you guys so much for doing this. I so appreciate it, Emma. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Always, Christopher Henry. Thank you. Thank you so much. Ah, oh, well, CJ, what a ride this was for us. We did it. We, we made did it to it. the end of this universe. We did it. Absolutely. I'm very much looking forward to the next universe. I'm very looking forward to getting my Me baseball too. chops up. And uh, I think Me it's going to be quite a ride for Icon or Wycon. electric. Boogie woogie woogie. I am Andrew David Sotomayor. On behalf of Emma and Chris, I'm CJ LaRoche. And we'll DCEU. Next time. Next time. <laughs> <laughs> Way too late. <laughs>